welcome to the Strategic Families Podcast, where we challenge your family to be rooted in God's Word, energized with gospel-centered purpose, and activated on mission for His kingdom. Everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Families Podcast. Great to be back with you again. So we're not a news podcast, but if you haven't noticed, you know, like if you've been living under a rock, everything is more expensive now. I know that's going to be a shock to many of you, but no, seriously, we're all feeling that crunch, right? Food prices, gas prices, even used car prices, and we've all heard the reports. Inflation is the worst it's been in 40 years. We're not going to get into any of the reasons for this. But instead, what we want to do is focus on what we can do about it as families. All of these rising prices can really take a toll on our families, our quality of life, our plans, and even how we think about the future. But let's remember this really important reality. God is not surprised by any of this. He's not caught off guard. He's not stressed out. He's not worried. He's got this under control. So let's start our response to this current situation that we're in by remembering that our God is in control. Let that sink in for a second. So even as we wrestle through this time, we can trust him through it all. Here's some encouragement from the psalmist Asaph from Psalm 77. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God? I love that rhetorical question. No one is great like our God. He's in control and he is good. Let's trust him in this moment. So Katie and I wanted to dive into this issue and really get practical today. Our hope in this episode is to provide some tips for strategically tightening our financial belts, so to speak, but also offer some ways to talk to our kids about this, get them on board, and even get them excited to work together on this and to give them some financial training that can benefit them really for their whole lives. We want to encourage you to think of this as an opportunity. Yes, it's a challenge, but it can also be a great opportunity. I wanted to share a quick story that I think will provide a good illustration of how this moment can be an opportunity. And I'm sorry, I can't remember the details and even where I heard it, but hopefully the point will be clear nonetheless. Some years ago, the London subway system, they call it the tube, was shut down because workers went on strike. And I think we can all imagine what an interruption that would have been for so many people who relied on the tube to get to work. People had to find another way. They just had to. And what was really interesting is that when the strike ended, a significant portion of people did not go back to taking the tube to work. And if you think about that for a second, that's pretty striking. Because of this disruption, they were forced to do something out of their routine. And for some of them, not all, but for some, It opened their eyes to a better way. I just find that fascinating. Sometimes disruptions can force us into seeing a new opportunity. And here's the key, that we would not have seen without the disruption. And that may be hard for us to grasp because we don't want disruptions. That's sort of the nature of a disruption. We don't want it. So I really hope that we can all see this current disruption and any disruption the same way as an opportunity to learn to do life maybe a little differently and grow as a family together. Remember that the Lord has allowed this and works all things for the good of those who love him and those who are called according to his purpose, as we learn in Romans 8.28. 
We can use this moment of financial stress to give our kids chances to be contributors and to practice stewardship and thereby to grow in their confidence in managing their own finances as they grow older. And in doing so, our families will become stronger and more united. Yes, and on the note of tightening the belt, we've had to do that ourselves. I've been looking at our budget recently and I keep going to Graham saying, ah, wow, yes, we are feeling that crunch, especially with food. And I'm sure many of you are feeling the same thing. Like Graham said, my hope is that this episode will give you fresh ideas and motivation and that we can all rally around this very cool opportunity to engage our kids and see this as a challenge we can conquer as a family. We've started having conversations with our kids about what these price increases mean and how they might be a challenge, but we've also been able to reassure them this does not need to be a cause of alarm or fear. Instead, we want to lay all the fears at the feet of our Lord. We don't need to be anxious about this because he is the owner of all of creation and provider of all that we need. I think one key step the Lord has been showing me in this comes from Philippians 4, 6, and 7, when Paul instructs us to present all of our requests to God. He says to do it with thanksgiving. I've been rereading The Hiding Place recently, and I've been contemplating that scene with Betsy and Corey Ten Boom in this flea-infested concentration camp. And right when they arrive, Corey asks her sister how they're going to endure this new place and challenge. And Betsy quickly reminds her of the scripture they had read that morning and how they were to be thankful for all things and proceeds to pray and thank the Lord for lots of things. But she includes the fleas. And Corey initially wrestles with this. But if you know the story, you learn later that these fleas are precisely what the Lord uses to further their ministry and to give them the space free of guards to read and study the scripture with the other prisoners. God can work in ways we can't even imagine. So I challenge us to start here. Let's choose to be thankful for inflation and for rising interest, and thus place our trust in God with our finances and his provision for all of our family's needs. And then as a family, we can take joy in producing together, finding creative ways to save, setting goals, and working together to meet those goals. And as with any form of producing, the beautiful gift the Lord gives us when we work diligently is a much greater satisfaction and thankfulness for the things that we do have. I truly believe this is a perfect opportunity to cultivate hearts filled with gratitude in our families. On that note, I wanted to share a poem our kids have been memorizing because I think it will lead well into our discussion on how to discuss this biblically with our kids. The poem is called Overheard in an Orchard by Elizabeth Cheney. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, Friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Wow, I love that poem. So simple, but what a powerful message. You know, it's obviously reflecting on the passage from Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to take a minute to read this. I encourage you to close your eyes, take a deep breath, and take in the beauty and the promise of this passage. I'll start with verse 25, and I'll read through verse 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, at a single hour to your life. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. 
If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know, this is a great passage to discuss with our kids. And here are a few questions that we could ask, both to ourselves and to our kids. Here's the first one. When we have less, is God less faithful? Does it change his nature as our provider? Is he any less good? Does he love us any less when times are tight? So, of course, the answer is obvious to each of these questions. No, but this is worth emphasizing to your kids and reminding yourself of. His character has not changed. He is our provider of all things, and he is faithful. Remember that wonderful line from the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. And the line from the hymn, Praise to the Lord, which says, Hast thou not seen how all thy longings have been? granted in what he ordaineth. Love those lines. All right, question two. How might having less actually help us grow in our faith? Now that seems kind of counterintuitive, doesn't it? So here you might talk about how having an abundance may cause us to forget that it's actually God who provided it. I'd encourage you to check out Deuteronomy 8, where God talks about bringing the people into a good land, but warns them not to forget him in times of good circumstances. I think God knows that this will be a risk for us. On the other hand, having less can bring us back to the reality that we are utterly dependent upon him for our life, our breath, and really everything. All right, thirdly, in this passage, Jesus tells us not to worry. So what should we do instead? Well, he also calls us to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Let God figure out what we need and provide it. Our job is to keep our eyes on his kingdom and on eternal work, being yielded and willing to follow him wherever he goes. Lastly, you could also lead your kids to Philippians 4, 6-7 that Katie mentioned. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There are two really important words there that we could miss. With thanksgiving, as Katie pointed out, we need to thank him for the not-so-quote-good things as well as the obvious blessings. Remind them that not only do we pray and let him know our needs and requests, but we need to practice being thankful. In fact, I would just say make it a practice in your prayers that you never make requests of God without also thanking him for one of the many things he's done or is doing. Maybe even take some time to build a list of things that you can be thankful for. Help your kids remember that material blessings are just one aspect of the ways that God blesses us. God is our provider, not just of material blessings, but of all things we need. Relationships, community, salvation, hope, love, wholeness, peace, joy, and so many other wonderful things that we could list. Yes, and we also want to take time to remind our kids of God's character, that even one of his names is Jehovah Jireh which means the Lord, our provider. The first time we see this name is in Genesis 22, when God provided the ram as an alternate sacrifice for Abraham instead of his son Isaac. And Paul reminds us of God's provision again in Philippians 4 in his teaching on contentment, no matter the circumstance. He says, 
I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Whether we struggle a lot or a little with these price changes, it's so good to remind our kids that no matter what, God is our provider and that he has many creative ways of providing for us, not just through our salaries and jobs. So this is a great prompting for us to take some time to brainstorm with them ways that God provided in surprising ways throughout the Bible for his people. And here are just a few. You can think about how he multiplied the herds of Jacob while he's under Laban, even though Laban keeps changing the rules on him. In Genesis 39 through 47, we see opportunities for Joseph um, working under Potiphar and Pharaoh and thus providing for Jacob's whole family later during the famine. We see God providing manna and quail while the people are wandering around in the desert. In 1 Kings 17, we see God provide for the widow at Zarephath through the prophet Elijah. There were several battles that were won because their enemy just abandoned the camp and left all the plunder for the taking. We see God's provision for Nehemiah through the king in rebuilding the walls in Jerusalem. God provided miraculously for Daniel and his friends while they're in Babylonian captivity. In Acts 2, we see all the needs of the church were met even while they endured persecution. And you can obviously think of many other examples. We want to remind them that most of these happened in quite less than ideal circumstances, humanly speaking. God's provision in these situations have everything to do with who God is not so much what our circumstances and efforts are. Model for them and train them to be scouts of how God is working and how he provides and write down lists of how God has blessed us. With our family, we're trying to make this a more regular discussion topic at the dinner table or in our devotion times to help them identify ways we all see God at work. And this provides great encouragement as well as sustaining strength in whatever the next waiting period will be when we're watching for how he will provide for a new need. Unfortunately, just as Israel was warned about in Deuteronomy 8, I think most of us have allowed ourselves to slip into a more comfort-loving and easy life, forgetting to recognize all of God's provision. We've largely lost lives of discipline, focused stewardship, and hard work, especially with our kids. And the pandemic didn't make this any easier. So for those of us who have slowly slipped into this, and probably most of us have, Perhaps this is a gift from the Lord to get our attention and seize this opportunity to reset and practice better stewardship and industriousness, as well as a great chance to train our kids in these areas as well. Think about those who grew up in the Great Depression. That generation knew how to be frugal and stretch a dollar, and in many ways, they were so much better off for it. Obviously, we're not in a depression, but there's something really important to learn here. Even if this current period is short now, Our kids need to learn these skills for the different times in their lives when they need to learn to live with less. As Graham read in Philippians 4, as believers in Jesus, it is important for us to learn contentment in all circumstances, and this takes practice, which means it takes time. And it should encourage us that Paul indicates that he had to learn this. It may take time for us. Yes, so much is gained by intentionally discussing these things as a family. And as with anything you teach, it helps you grow as well. This mindset shift that Katie mentioned is going to require a bit of muscle for us as well as a determined spirit, but I do believe this is a critical step we need to take in being strategic as families. But part of the reason we chose the name Strategic Families was because we love the background of the word strategic. Whether we realize it or not, we are in a spiritual battle. If we want to be effective for God's kingdom, we need to be focused, engaged, and ready for action. 
as a culture, I think we need a wake-up call. So let's start with our own families, encourage others, and push forward. Let's remember Hebrews 10, 24-25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other, and all the more as we see the day approaching. One of our great hopes is that this podcast and other efforts will generate a stronger community of believers striving together for the kingdom. So if this feels difficult to shift gears, having to work a little harder and cut back on some of the ease and comfort we've had for a while, consider gathering friends to do it with. This could be your community group, a Bible study, or just a group of your family friends. Brainstorming, accountability, and encouragement can go so far when trying to change habits. Plus, when we're in a group all going after the same thing, we won't feel so isolated or like we're swimming upstream alone. All right, so there's my plug to engage with some community. But today, we do want to provide some practical steps, as I mentioned, that you can take right now to start really taking control of financial management within your home. Katie and I have been thinking through this a lot, and it's bringing us back to our earlier years when we had to live on a much tighter budget. I think many of us have been there. We're now recalling a lot of the strategies that we used then, as well as a lot of things we've learned along the way from programs like Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University and Crown Financial. Quick aside here, we highly recommend both of those programs. They're both excellent. The difference is that Crown is a deep dive into solid biblical financial principles and stewardship, whereas Financial Peace is a very practical, achievable step-by-step process to financial wellness. But they're both excellent and so helpful, so we highly recommend them. All right, so now let's get into some practical ideas. And this is really Katie's wheelhouse, so I'm going to turn it over to her in a second. But first, I think we need to acknowledge we're all in different places with finances. So we're just going to start with the basics in case financial management is relatively new to you. Then we'll go deeper in hopes of providing ideas for you for wherever you are in the financial management spectrum. With all of these suggestions, just don't forget the bigger picture. This isn't really about leading a higher quality of life or improving our 401ks. This is about our families being more effective to do what we talked about earlier, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All right, so to start, let's use the dinner analogy. You've got to eat your vegetables first, right? So with good stewardship, our vegetables, so to speak, is a budget. I know, not an exciting topic, and you may not like Brussels sprouts, but man, they are good for you, right? Creating a budget and tracking expenses is really foundational to good stewardship. And a budget is nothing more than a plan for your money. Dave Ramsey's take on this is really sound. You tell every dollar where to go. If you don't, you'll turn around later and wonder where it went. How true is that? If you don't budget, no judgment here. Obviously, you don't have to have a budget to manage your finances well. But without a budget, it'll be really hard to have a clear picture of where your money's going. And it's hard to manage something you don't have good information about. And... Another quick aside here, in case there's a single guy listening to this, which, okay, family podcast, probably not many of you, but I started budgeting and tracking expenses not long before I met Katie. Oh man, I was so glad I did. The night we met, and I promise I'm not making this up, I mentioned the fact that I budgeted to Katie. And turns out, that gave me a point or two. So yes, I sort of used budgeting as a pickup line on my future wife. You can make fun all you want, but I did get the girl. He totally did mention budgeting to me the night we met. And yes, it did give me some confidence that maybe this guy could be an option. All right. So there's your budgeting plug. And that's my budgeting story. And I'm sticking to it. (laughs) I'm almost two years older than Katie. And I joke now, although maybe it's not that much of a joke, that I needed that extra time to mature. And budgeting was part of that. So anyway, all right. Funny story. But seriously, 
budgeting is a big deal. All right, back to the topic at hand. If you'd like a starter template for a budget, please check out our website, strategicfamilies.com, and you can download an Excel version for free. Or you can drop us a line at Graham and Katie at strategicfamilies.com and we'll email it to you. We're so particular with how we budget, we needed something that we can completely customize. So this is an Excel sheet that calculates by category going month by month as you enter in expenses. You can use a resource like mint.com, which is great, and it'll categorize your expenses for you automatically. The only problem is that Mint doesn't really know what to do with an Amazon or Walmart receipt because it could be anything from socks to chips to a computer, right? So you're going to have to do some manual work either way. So we just prefer to do it all manually. But budgeting is really a huge passion of ours, and we just found it to be so helpful. It's opened up so many opportunities for us for saving. And as I mentioned, if you haven't been doing this, you'll be amazed at how much you're spending on some things that you have no idea about. We know this because we were shocked too. Do you know how much you spend at Starbucks each month? Guys, do you know how much you spend at Lowe's and Home Depot for all those critical weekend projects? Ladies, do you know how much you spend on hair products? Hey, maybe you do. But if you don't, I'm telling you, data like this will be really eye-opening. Budgeting is also huge for giving you freedom. If you and your spouse sit down and agree on where your money should go, once you set that money aside, there's so much freedom to then spend the money as you've already planned. So, for example, let's take shoes. If you've already decided you'll spend $100 on shoes, then when it's time to get shoes, guess what? You don't need to stress about whether you have the money. You do have the money. You've already worked that into your budget. It's stress-free spending. If you have no idea whether you have the money, then you may rightly wonder whether you actually have $100 to spend on shoes, and that can be stressful. All right, last thing I'll say on budgeting is that this is a great opportunity to get on the same page as husband and wife. Really, and you know, we know this, but it's about way more than just dollars and cents. It's about life priorities. Such important conversations. Are you saving to the degree that both of you want for your family's future? Should you go on vacation this year, or should you put all that money into retirement? Or maybe some into retirement and a smaller vacation? These questions don't have simple answers, and looking at the numbers has a way of forcing really important conversations for your marriage. If you don't have these conversations and you have different spending or saving habits, imagine how big a deal this could be over time, especially when things get tight. Yeah, I totally agree. These can be challenging conversations, but they are so, so important. Remember that finances is one of the biggest stresses on marriage, so build in communication with your spouse on your financial stewardship if you aren't already. On budgeting, I would say if you don't have a budget, start small and maybe just start with tracking all your food purchases for two to four weeks or just the categories you know you could affect. This will give you an idea of how you're spending on different types of food and, of course, how much. Then you can try to set a realistic budget based on that. As you go, you can start asking some questions to start finding ways to reduce your costs. But honestly, just the practice of tracking it will likely make you think twice and be careful. And the more specific you are, the quicker it will be to find ways to save. In other words, we recommend breaking your budget up into lots of individual categories. For example, if you just have a food line and don't break out the coffee, the restaurants, the groceries, you may not see what's actually costing so much. Or you might find that if you're eating out eight times a month and you shrink it back to four, you've just saved $100 potentially or more. Yes, there's more dishes, but also more time teaching your kids how to make good food. You might be surprised to realize just how much money you spend because each individual purchase doesn't seem like much. 
We also find that even with groceries, being conscious of which stores you shop at, following the sales and coupons, and even just going less often will all really reduce this number tremendously too. I was amazed how many things we could cut back on when we just started looking at the numbers. Another really simple approach is the Dave Ramsey strategy of using cash instead of a credit card. There's a reality of having to hand over cash that just makes you spend less because you feel it so much more. You can use his envelope system to help you stay in your budget. And when that money runs out, there just isn't any more for the month. So if your grocery budget is $800 for the month, you'd get out that cash, put it in your envelope and keep track of it so that you don't run out too soon. Credit cards can just short circuit our attempts at budgeting because it can feel like it's unlimited, which leads to more spending. Cash is also a much better teacher for children as they can make more sense of how much things cost rather than just watching you swipe a credit card. Another idea is to look category by category through your budget and just see what regular bills you have and try to decide if any of them are negotiable. Obviously, things like rent or mortgage or your HOA fees can't be adjusted, but you could look at things like insurance and call around and see if there are better prices out there, or even call the company you're using now and just ask if there's anything they can do for you. Sometimes this simple question will yield a great result for you. It works more often than you would think, and you can consider similar type of calls for cable, internet, cell phone, pest control, and lots of those types of things. We recently switched my cell phone carrier and canceled our pest control and it saved us $60 a month, which is a big help with the rising prices. Next, you wanna look at some community services that we often neglect when we don't need to be as careful financially. The library, for example, has so many books and DVDs and other services that we could use for free rather than purchasing each of these things. Another Clark family favorite is to use the local consignment sales and neighborhood garage sales. I am amazed at how many very good quality items you can get secondhand. The kids and I almost exclusively shop at consignment sales for most things or have hand-me-downs. It's fair to say that we have probably saved thousands of dollars already just in the time that we've had kids from things like this, and we're so thankful for being able to have things secondhand. Some other great resources to consider are community rec centers, county and state parks, greenways and trails, of course, transportation systems and carpooling are some other great things to consider with the gas prices being up right now. It can be kind of fun to do some shopping for deals with the kids. Maybe even set up a little competition. Think about finding activity, meal, and vacation sale options using Groupons or coupon books. You can also challenge your kids to think of free activities for your dates with them or family outings and inspire some great creativity. Think about hiking, parks, biking, tennis, or even stay home and play some cards or board games. To that end, think about your current entertainment budget. Are there ways to cut back on how many services we have for watching TV or movies? I think a lot of families are paying for multiple streaming services and could probably just enlist one or two at a time Not to mention it might challenge us just to watch less and be more productive and creative or pick up books instead. Consider showing your kids the portion of your budget that they could most help with and brainstorm solutions together. Things like entertainment or activities, their clothing and shoes, your vacations. This can be a great way to bring them into the discussion with a positive way of problem solving together. Maybe set a goal, and with a portion of the savings, you can do something special at the end of the week, like have ice cream sundaes with that many. 
I really believe that your kids will jump at these opportunities. They love to be involved and they're so proud of it when they contribute. Sometimes we have the idea that we just want to shower our kids with all of these treats and material blessings, and that's a good impulse. We all love giving our kids good gifts. We would just encourage you to keep in mind that teaching our kids how to do more with less is helping them learn how to go without and giving them opportunities to be creative. And those are gifts also. They, they can just be so proud of it. Finally, I do want to circle back to food because obviously we're seeing a lot of inflation there and it's an area where many of us could be strategically saving money. The obvious thing here is to reduce as much eating out as possible as it's quite a lot more expensive and likely not nearly as healthy anyways. I mean, even think about just something as simple as ice cream. You probably could get two cartons of ice cream for the same as you could get a cone at an ice cream shop if you're paying attention. With six of us and our family, you can probably imagine that we don't eat out very much because it is very expensive very quickly. If you already, though, eat out very little, it can still feel daunting to cut the grocery budget, especially since we don't want to sacrifice the health of our family while doing it. So we do want to resist the urge to just eat more processed foods because they're cheaper. The truth is there are so many healthy foods that are also very inexpensive, and we can work to use those foods in our diets more. For example, even organic eggs or cottage cheese are still very inexpensive proteins. Or if you think about fruits and vegetables, cabbage and celery, carrots, cucumbers, sweet potatoes, spinach, kale, apples, bananas, all of these things are really quite inexpensive for what you're getting. And where you could get frozen fruits and veggies or look for the things that are in season, they're often cheaper than. You can pay attention to using various beans or brown rice or quinoa to get some of the proteins we need instead of using meat quite so often. But aside from specific items, we can also save so much by making more things from scratch. We find making our own yogurt, sourdough bread, granola, bone broth, and a variety of other things are a whole lot easier than you'd think. They're probably better for us nutritionally, and they're definitely easier on the wallet. So consider some things like that too. The last thing I'll mention as it relates to food is meal planning. The less often you go to the store, the less you will spend. So try to keep your grocery visits to only once a week and plan ahead. Think about how you can use the same ingredients in multiple meals. So if you're using cilantro this week, maybe do it in a couple different meals or things like that so that you're not wasting things. You can also consider doubling some meals and then freeze one of them so you can use it later and that way you use all of the fresh ingredients while you have it rather than throwing things out. In our case, we quadruple meals because we're already eating double kind of as a standard. And maybe consider having a bigger cooking day once a month where you make a few extra meals and freeze them and that way you're not so tempted on those days when you normally would have eaten out. You just have something you thaw and can reheat and that way even if you are pressed for time or tired, you still have a healthy meal that didn't cost you a lot. Another thing that we've done that we've enjoyed is having kind of like a chopping party on the weekend where we all chop up a bunch of veggies for snack bags for the week's lunches. And if you really don't like cooking, another cool idea might be joining with some neighbors or friends who live close by, and each of you take one day of the week, make a massive amount of one dinner, and deliver to all the other families, and then you know you get some delivered to you each week too, and so again, you're not having to do all of the cooking. Yeah, I love that idea. I remember hearing, I can't remember what culture it is, but it's like a community kitchen idea. How cool would that be to just gather around, not just the eating of food, but the making of food? I think that would be really cool. So consider that. And, you know, food is such a big deal. This whole discussion just reminds me that when I go to the grocery store, maybe I should not pick up that extra bag of chips. I mean, it's kind of a dad thing. I don't know. 
Maybe I'm the only one, but I always pick up an extra bag of chips. <laughs> All right, so, you know, food is definitely one of the most discretionary line items in the budget. And if we need to tighten the belt, that's a great place to start. Katie is a master meal planner. If it were up to me, I'd probably just wander in the grocery store and pick up whatever looks good, and <laughs> that's going to be pretty expensive. So, But, you know, we would really encourage you to involve your kids in the kitchen to share the load as much as possible. Our kids love this opportunity, and if you haven't tried this, you might be surprised at how much your kids will enjoy it and how much help they really can be. Yes, it's going to take work. Yes, they're going to make a mess. No question about it. But in the long run, it'll save your family time, and it will give your kids really useful skills for their own families in the future. And Katie and I are just really passionate about this. We kind of feel like cooking is becoming a lost art. So we just highly, highly encourage you to get in the kitchen, make a mess if you have to, teach your kids, and give them those skills because they really will use them for the rest of their lives. And it'll be so much healthier for them. One thing that we really recommend is a cookbook called America's Test Kitchen, if you haven't tried that, but specifically the ones on cooking and baking for kids. They're awesome for kids who want to learn and make some really good meals. We found these books in the library initially, so maybe check for them there first. Our girls have been using them and can make incredible dinners for us, which I know has been a great relief for Katie at times. And they're good dinners too. We're not talking about like hot dogs. We're talking about Mediterranean chicken and Mediterranean salad, chicken tacos, beef and broccoli, things like that. Really good stuff. So don't, so don't underestimate your kids. So I know Katie just rattled off tons of ideas, and we'll put a bunch of those in the show notes for reference so you can look back on them. But our encouragement is to just pick one or two at first and consider how you can bring your kids into the conversation. Maybe start by brainstorming about God's provision for your family. Maybe give them a cost savings challenge. When times get tight and you need to practice better financial stewardship, you can cut costs as we've been discussing, but you can also bump up your income if you have time and availability. As an aside, one thing you don't want to do, if at all possible, is to go into debt or greater debt, which is a subject for another time. But on the income front, you could come up with ways that as a family, you can earn money that you hadn't been earning before. So like pet sending or babysitting or lawn services or something like that to help earn enough money to help pay for, say, a vacation. And be creative. We can save money or earn money to help balance things out. In the last few months, our kids have been putting their own money into a jar to help pay for a big trip we're taking this summer as a family. What's really cool about that is that it'll give them a sense of contribution to a great family shared experience. And if inflation keeps being a problem and times get worse, just keep adding another idea or two each month to try to keep pace with it. Remember, this is a great chance for awesome growth in our families and training for our kids. Don't shy away from it. Embrace it. Lean into it seize this opportunity to be strategic. When we dive into good financial stewardship as families, regardless of the economy or our circumstances, we'll have better control on where our money's going, we'll be better equipped to make good financial decisions, and we will learn to be content with less. Then our marriages and our families will be stronger and better equipped to do the work that God has called us to do. Well, that's it for today. There's obviously so much more we could say on finances. Many books have been written on this subject. We just thought this would be timely encouragement since many of us are feeling this strain right now and that this could be a great opportunity to be strategic within our families. We hope this has given you some ideas on how to do that. As always, we would love to hear from you on how you're building a strategic family that honors Christ. 
And if you have other cost-cutting or income-producing ideas that your family has found useful, we'd love to hear about them, so please drop us a line. You can contact us through our website, strategicfamilies.com, or send us an email at grahamandkatie at strategicfamilies.com. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, and we'd love to have your review on Apple Podcasts as well. All right, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.